0: Good Sunday morning. Rashini Rajkumar with you, along with your host, Dr. David Hilden, who has a very busy day today. Uh, but he's taking the time, of course, to make sure we cover an important topic. Good morning, Dr. Hilden.
1: Good morning, Rashini. Indeed, I do have a rather busy day today. I'm working in the hospital pretty much all day. But of course, I never start a Sunday morning out without first talking uh, with you and with Healthy Matters listeners. So I'm looking forward to a show today, uh, and then I'm going to do a spot with Esme Murphy on Channel Four WCCO TV, Channel Four. That'll be airing at 10:30 this morning. I'm going to talk about COVID, uh, COVID. Look at I combined it.
0: It's okay. COVID, you, you've been talking
1: COVID a lot. COVID vaccines. <laughs> How do you like that? There, we're going to. I'm making up new words. As Maybe we go. you should COVID.
0: trademark that.
1: <laughs> we're going to talk about the Covene, um later today at 10.30 on WCCO TV. Uh, that's Channel 4 with uh, our friend Esme Murphy. So that'll be on a little bit later today. Then I'm going to go see patients in the hospital. But today, today we're going to talk about a topic uh, um, that I am really excited to talk about because it's so important and it's so serious. We're going to talk about addictions specifically about methamphetamines and about opioids because, you know what, before there was a virus, COVID virus floating around, there was an opioid addiction and there is substance use disorders and addictions and they are still going on. And so we're going to talk to an expert about that.
0: Yeah, I think that will be terrific because... In light of all the COVID headlines, sometimes the opioid methamphetamine headlines get a little distracted. Now, we're already getting calls and texts for Dr. Hilden and his guest. Here's what I'm going to say. If your question is about COVID, we will probably save those until the end. And as we always promise on Healthy Matters, I will for sure get to you if you call us. I will do my best to get to you if you text us. The number 651 888-989-9226. Nine eight nine nine two two six. 989 9226 So lots of things to get into today. And both our guest, as well as Dr. Hilden, always will take your question as they find it and get you the best answer they can. All right, Dr. Hilden, so it has been a busy week. On this topic, though, just as people are already texting about COVID, what, you know, how overshadowed has or have addiction issues been in this current climate?
1: It really has been an issue because um, prior, and our guest will give us more information about this, Dr. Bart will be on just shortly, but if you remember, uh, what were we really worried about about a year ago? Um, we, We were really talking a great deal in the healthcare community about how best to treat people who are experiencing substance use disorders and addictions, and I have a hunch that this past year hasn't made it suddenly go away. Um, but we're not hearing about it as much and that's too bad because if anything, it's it's probably getting somewhat worse. And so substance use disorders and addictions are treated by specialists in addiction medicine. And so the person I have on today is a guy I've known for some years. He's been on the show before. His name is Dr. Gavin Bart. He is the director of our Department of Addiction Medicine. And Dr. Bart um, has been doing research and seeing patients for years in this, and he's recently had an article published in the, um, in the National Institutes of Health, do, doing um, about some of his latest research. So we're going to go to him. We're going to after the break, we'll start into the conversation. But if I could just uh, ask you, Dr. Bart, um, t- uh, to join us now and say welcome to the show, and I'm so glad you're here.
2: Thank you so much, David. It's really a pleasure to be here this morning.
0: Yeah, it is great Before, to have we're you. Just,
1: Yeah, we're going to talk just briefly just to say hi to Dr. Bart, and after our break, we'll get into some of the questions.
0: Absolutely. So remind the listeners that you can call, you can text us today. Dr. Bart is very willing to take questions on a topic that is his specialty, but also very near to his heart because he knows the impact of uh, how addictions have affected people and their families. And he fights to fight addiction. He fights to prevent new addictions from happening. 651-989-9226. And like I said, uh, Dr. Hilden, at the end of the show, probably the last four to five minutes, we'll take some questions on COVID or we'll get to those as we can. Correct?
1: That sounds just terrific. Um, uh, You know, each week people have questions about the coronavirus. There's new information literally every week. And people have a ton of questions about vaccines and the like. So if we don't get to all of your text, try to do our best at the very end in the last five minutes of the show to answer some of those questions. Dr. Bart, just in one minute before we go to the break, tell us about yourself. Tell us about addiction medicine at Hennepin and um, and, uh, what kind of services you provide.
2: Oh, well, Addiction Medicine at Hennepin is through our Department of Medicine. We've got a great team of addiction medicine specialists as well as drug and alcohol counselors. We provide outpatient services primarily for opioid use disorder and alcohol use disorder, but we also help do evaluations for other substance use disorders. Uh, Where Most of us are internists, come from internal medicine, although we do have an addiction psychiatrist who's part of our team, and uh, we treat adults uh across their lifespan, uh across uh ethnicities. We do have some specialization in caring for our Hmong population and increasingly our Somali population.
0: All right. Well great intro uh on that and we'll get into more of those things. We need to take a break. When we come back, both Dr. Bart and Dr. Hilden will take your questions. We are looking at addiction today, breaking down the meth addiction, but we'll also take questions on other addictions. 651-989-9226. We are back on Healthy Matters. Rashini Rajkumar with you, along with your host, Dr. David Hilden, and our guest today, Dr. Gavin Bart. The topic, breaking down meth addiction. We will also take calls and texts on other addictions, whether you're calling for yourself or, in a lot of cases, for a family member. We would love to hear from you. 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden.
1: So we're talking to Dr. Gavin Bart, the director of our addiction medicine program at Hennepin Healthcare. I want to get right into methamphetamines and stimulant use. Uh, Dr. Bart, could you help us out by telling us just how common is meth addiction and why are we hearing about it more
2: lately? Well, a lot of people use methamphetamine. Unfortunately, Of people who do use methamphetamine, about one out of 10 may develop an addiction to it. And so we've just seen such an increase in the use of methamphetamine across the country and in Minnesota that we're seeing more and more people with methamphetamine addiction. In fact, about a year and a half or two years ago, methamphetamine addiction surpassed opioid addiction for people seeking treatment for substance use disorder. So now we actually have more of a methamphetamine crisis in Minnesota than we do opioid crisis. I bet
1: a lot of people don't realize that, Gavin, that methamphetamine has become much more common. We used to think about it from TV shows and, and kind of sensationalized stuff about, you know, out in rural areas. It's probably all over the state now, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. It's everywhere, and it's no longer the stereotypical rural issue. The rural areas are more impacted by it, but it's all over the state, across all uh, ethnicities, genders, age groups. It is an equal opportunity problem. One of the reasons we may not be hearing as much about it is, fortunately, unlike opioids, not as many people are dying from methamphetamine as they are from opioids, but we're still seeing an increase in methamphetamine-related overdoses and deaths, nevertheless.
1: What does that look like? What does someone look like who is experiencing an overdose or an intoxication
2: on methamphetamine? Well, methamphetamine is a stimulant, so the heart rate can go much, much faster than normal, you can start getting uh, pulse rates in, in 150s to 180s. Blood pressure can skyrocket well over 200, over 100, Uh, which places a person at risk for a heart attack, for stroke. Uh, There are mental health effects, so it can lead to psychosis and agitation. Uh, Those are the very common effects of too much methamphetamine. We're also seeing a lot of mixed drug use. And so there may be people who think they're using only methamphetamine, but maybe their methamphetamine has been tainted with Uh, a very strong opioid called fentanyl. And so, in fact, someone could even experience an opioid overdose unwittingly because uh, they didn't know there was an opioid mixed in with their methamphetamine. And that looks very different. It looks like falling to sleep and uh, the breathing gradually uh, slows down and even stops to a point uh, where a person dies.
1: You know, you know, Gavin, I had I'm working in the hospital this week, and I had exactly the situation you just described. Uh, a, a a man came in, um, basically obtunded or unconscious, and he uh, it was from an opioid overdose. He had purchased uh, um, somewhere uh, a medication, thinking it was something else. And we later learned, or he later learned, it was fentanyl. It was not what he was intending to purchase. I think he thought he was getting a stimulant of some kind. And so that happened. He's fine. Thank goodness. He, Thank goodness. He's fine. But what you're describing, I see it in the hospital um, relatively frequently. Could you,
2: Could you tell us what are the treatments
1: for methamphetamine
2: addictions? Well, at this point in time, there are no FDA-approved medications for methamphetamine. So whereas for opioid addiction, we have really effective medications to treat opioid addiction. We don't have any right now for methamphetamine addiction. So the treatments are primarily behavioral therapy. Uh, Those uh, can be individual or group level. Some of the more promising uh, behavioral therapies are cognitive behavioral therapy, which really helps try to uh, rewire some of the thinking about Uh, your perception of the outside world. You know, everyone thinks I'm bad or I'm not as good as everyone else. And therefore, you know, people might choose to use drugs to help compensate for that. It can help uh, sort of with rethinking your relationship to the outside world and your inner thoughts. Uh, There's also uh, something called contingency management, which is really quite effective, but is not widely used. And that's just giving... Uh, regular positive reinforcements for uh, behaviors that are uh, pro-health and and less about drugs. Fortunately, uh, we just completed, through Hennepin Healthcare Research Institute, a large randomized clinical trial of two-medication combination that was published last week in the New England Journal of Medicine that is indicating there could be some hope on the horizon for the development of medications to treat methamphetamine use disorder.
1: I was going to bring that up because uh, some people don't realize that at Hennepin Healthcare, we're more than the big county hospital in downtown Minneapolis. We treat patients, all comers who come to our place, but we also do an incredible amount of research. Could you, in a minute or so, tell us more about what this research study looked like? And for listeners... The New England Journal of Medicine is one of the premier medical journals on the planet. Um, I mean, literally one of the top three. And to get a paper published in that means it's significant research. Tell us a little bit more about it, if you could, Dr. Bart.
2: Yeah, well, at Hennepin Healthcare, we're really fortunate to have a National Institute on Drug Abuse funded Uh, project called the North Star Node of the NIDA Clinical Trials Network. And this is really a premier network of research institutions, Hennepin being one of them, that conducts clinical research into addiction in real-world settings. So this is not egg-headed university clinics that no one ever uh, can make the research results work in the real world. This is real-world research with real people and real clinics. And Uh, Through this network, we conducted uh, with University of Texas Southwest as the lead this trial of two already available medications to treat methamphetamine use disorder and saw a decent signal uh, for this combination of two common medications for reducing methamphetamine use. So we're pretty excited about that, and we look forward to uh, continuing this line of research at Hennepin and with our partners uh, around the state and around the country.
1: I am so proud of some of the work that gets done in this area. And, you know, there's stigma applied to people who are experiencing addiction, and it's a, it's a, uh, it should be treated on an equal level with all other medical conditions. And the way to do that is to get scientific evidence and to find the best practices and get people the treatment that they need and deserve. So I really appreciate that, that you're, you're advancing the science in that. We are going to come back after the break and talk to, uh, more with Dr. Gavin Bart from Hennepin Health care's department of addiction medicine part of the department of internal medicine at hennepin i want to before we do that break i want to tell people of a couple things that you're going to want to check out if you're getting a little down about the coronavirus pandemic and you want to hear some of the good stories you're gonna want to do this you're gonna want to go to hennepinhealthcareorg slash here h-e-r-e Here is our film series that we are starting to develop. Think of it like your latest uh, uh, Queen's Gambit or The Crown episodes, except this one's called Here, H-E-R-E, and it's free. It's a series of five-minute films about great work being done in our community. The first one is about a gentleman named Reggie McAllister. He was one of our sickest patients with COVID-19 at Hennepin Healthcare. He wound up spending weeks in our ICU. He was in a coma. He was fighting for his life. Yet his story is uplifting. It's inspiring, and you're going to want to watch a beautifully produced five-minute film. It's called Here, HennepinHealthcare.org/slash/here. H-e-r-e. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, as always, follow me at Twitter at dr David Hilden. That's dr David Hilden, and uh, you can kind of stay in touch with me. Follow Rashini as well. We kind of do things in tandem sometimes. That's D.R. David Hilden. That's a great way to be in touch with me. But I really want to encourage people to go to that uh, website, hennepinhealthcare.org slash here and watch Reggie's story.
0: In tandem for sure, Doc, but I'm always trying to keep up with you. You are amazing. <laughs> uh, and I've seen a lot of really wonderful feedback about his story on Facebook and Twitter. So it's great that that is getting seen and uh, taken in by people. And we want you to take in our guest today, Dr. Gavin Bart, and more with Dr. David Hilden. Call us, text us, 651-989-9226. We are back, Rashini Rajkumar, along with Dr. David Hilden, your host today, and our guest Gavin Bart Dr. Gavin Bart who is a an addiction medicine specialist at Hennepin Healthcare is committed to making sure patients receive the best addiction care available and today we're happy to take your calls and texts 651-989-9226 Dr.
1: Bart we're, we're, we've been talking about meth addiction and it's something that many many people maybe aren't quite as familiar with and even not knowing where to turn next. So if if a person feels like it, is it, it's a it's been become a problem for them or a loved one, maybe it's a family member, how does one navigate the addiction medicine services field? How does somebody come in to see our our doctors for
2: instance? Yeah, that's a really good question. Now that we're more than 10 years into healthcare reform, Fortunately, addiction services are covered health uh, benefits, and so really a good place to start is with your insurer. And that doesn't matter whether you have uh, commercial insurance or whether it's through uh, MinCare and the Healthcare Exchange or whether it's Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, all of the insurers are providing some form of addiction coverage and can guide you towards your. Uh, appropriate providers, wherever you get health care. Other places to turn to if you have no insurance is every county has a chemical health assessment and they can guide you towards it. Uh, Also, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, part of the federal government, has a website with a treatment facility locator where you can plug in your zip code and it can uh, give you numbers uh, to local treatment facilities.
1: Can you do that for loved ones as well? Because you know, I, I've heard a lot of patients and families, you know, both um, you know, just in, in my daily life, uh, that they don't even know where to turn because it's not them; it's a loved one. What do you recommend for family members when they feel someone needs some help and isn't maybe seeking it out on their own?
2: Yeah, that can be very challenging, and, and certainly self care is important. You know, like. Like they say on the airplanes, put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. So self care is important. Uh, there are family support programs out there uh, that uh, families can learn from each other and receive support from each other. But I think it can also be helpful to arm yourself with information and uh, drugabuse.gov is a good website sponsored by the National Institute on Drug Abuse that can have information about drugs, their effects, and how to work with family members uh, in in addressing their drug problems.
1: I just went to drugabuse.gov as you were saying that. What, this is a great site and, and I would trust this. Uh, people often ask me, where do I get trusted information? Well, one, you listen to this show because I don't bring on people here who aren't experts in their field. But secondly, I just went to that, Dr. Bird. I went to drugabuse.gov. It's a great site for people who need some help or questions answered. Could I pivot for a second, uh, Gavin, to opioids? What's the status of the opioid epidemic? Oh,
2: we're still in the midst of an opioid epidemic. Unfortunately, uh, it's only gotten worse during the pandemic. In fact, uh, the preliminary data from 2020 uh, shows that we're uh, at a 30% greater uh, death rate from opioids in 2020 than 2019. So the pandemic has only accelerated the opioid crisis and deaths in Minnesota. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's probably a combination of factors. It's uh, You've got the pandemic itself, so there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of isolation. There's the economic uh, crises related to it. There's all the social unrest following uh, the killing of George Floyd. There's the political tensions across the country, and I think all of that is leading to uh, increased drug use. I also think some of our colleagues out in the community, the pandemic has been really hard, and some of them have called it quits, and it's harder to access treatment. So I think there's been a combination of factors that have really led to this worsening of the opioid crisis amidst uh, the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And Rashini, I know you've had people on your show, uh, which which comes up uh, at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings, to talk about opioids as well. So I think a lot of us are seeing it in our lives. And there's it, it's a political thing, and it's a medical uh, services thing, and it's just a public awareness.
0: Absolutely. I've, we've covered the topic. I've had guests. Uh, you know, even one of our state legislators lost his son to opioids, and he and his wife have been very active in the fight. My question, as I listen to you both discuss this, it's such an important topic, how do families see signs and what is a recommendation you can give to help families help their loved one get help? You know, the signs
2: can sometimes be pretty subtle. Uh, There can be changes in Uh, scheduling, people staying up all night when that might be unusual, sleeping all day when that might be unusual, uh, getting irritable or angry for seemingly trivial reasons uh, could be signs. Uh, Falling to sleep at inappropriate times uh, may be uh, an indicator. Um, I think... The best thing families can do is be open and have open discussions and to be available. The, the idea of tough love, unfortunately, too often pushes people away. And so we don't want to enable someone by giving uh, a loved one everything they want, but we also want them to know that the family, friends, and loved ones will always be there for them when they want help, when they need that ride to the doctor's office or to a treatment setting or a peer support meeting, that someone will always be there for them to do that. So I think families being as supportive as possible towards health behavior is really, really important rather than, unfortunately, what happens with too many families of kicking someone out, writing someone off who's a family member with substance use problems.
1: Are there support systems for family members? Because most of us weren't trained in this, about how to be a support person of someone um, with an addiction.
2: Yeah, as as I mentioned earlier, there are uh, family support. These are not professionally run programs, but they are free. They're widely available. Uh, uh, You know, a common one is Uh, is Al-Anon, somewhat related to the Alcoholics Anonymous type movement, which uh, Al-Anon meetings are for the family members who uh, have the loved ones with the addiction problems, and they're able to support and learn from each other. Those are freely available. The pandemic has made it harder to have group meetings, but many of them have moved online now. And so... uh, I imagine an Internet search under Al-Anon, someone might be able to find uh, meetings online uh, with other families going through similar things. If people are looking for professional help, there uh, are... Uh, family therapists throughout the state of Minnesota who are able to help, and psychologists, and even ask your family physician, they may be able to help point you in the right direction. And of course, the addiction specialists uh, will be able to help too.
1: And Dr. Bart, there are good treatments for opioid addiction, are there not?
2: Oh, absolutely. We can treat opioid addiction about as well as a family physician or internist can treat hypertension or diabetes. Uh, The unfortunate thing is that fewer than 25% of people with opioid addiction actually obtain those treatments. And and that's a big gap that we need to work on to make more uh, patients and their families aware that there are very effective treatments for opioid addiction to reduce the discrimination against these treatments in these patients uh, and increase the access to
1: these medications that's so important for us to know and for listeners to know that there, you know and i think maybe many maybe aren't aware of that there are good treatments for opioid use disorder it's just that you have to get your loved ones or yourself into the into the care system and i do have to say our health care system hasn't made that easier <laughs> over the years i'm chuckling because it, that's a i'm saying that tongue-in-cheek it's been very difficult for people with uh, who are experiencing addiction to get uh, into care itself. Dr. Barr, this show goes quickly, and we're going have to take a uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up in just a few minutes. Uh, so in the next in the last minute, what would you like to say? what was what one or two things would you like people to know about addiction?
2: I'd like people to know that addictions are treatable. These are disorders that are treatable. There are medical professionals out there can be really helpful in providing that treatment, and that, yes, like other medical problems, there are uh, important roles for behavioral uh, treatments, for peer support, uh, but really, they're most effective when combined with professional help. And uh, if you or a loved one has an addiction problem, look for an addiction specialist. in Healthcare has many. There are others around the state. Board certified in addiction medicine and seek their advice in treatment. Uh, treatment does work, it is effective per, for people with uh, addictions.
1: Dr. Bart, that is great advice. Seek care, there is good care. You have support out there. We have been talking with Dr. Gavin Barth, the director of addiction medicine at Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Bart, thank you for being with us uh, this morning. I wish we had another hour to talk, but we are out of time. I appreciate you getting up on a Sunday morning and talking with us.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you to both doctors. A very, very important topic. We'll continue to take your questions about this as well as other topics when we return. I know we have some COVID questions waiting. Give us a ring, 651-989-9226 when Healthy Matters returns. We are back, Dr. David Hilden and Rashidi Rajkumar with you taking questions, 651-989-9226. You can call, you can text us. Of course, lots of different topics we always get questions on, even when we're not in an open line show. Doctor, let me ask you this one, this person giving us a, a bit of a tongue twister for me. I have myasthenia gravis and get an infusion of immune globulin once a month. I'm taking five milligrams of prednisone daily. Can I still get the vaccine shot?
1: Yes, you can. Myasthenia gravis is a neuromuscular a disorder where your, neur- where your muscles get weak. Even the muscles of your eyelids can get weak. And so you're doing the right treatments for that. And yes, indeed, you can and should get the COVID vaccine.
0: All right, let's go to Sue and Annandale. My husband and I are in our young 70s with underlying conditions, and we are scheduled to get our COVID vaccines this next week. My question is, after
2: we receive the second vaccine,
0: uh, at, to what degree will we be able to integrate back into some normalcy, like going to other people's homes or having people into our homes?
1: It's a great question because um, it, people think it's just like turning a switch and it's not. You will be largely protected a couple of weeks after your second dose, but not everybody else will. And we're still not sure about the transmiss- transmissibility of this virus um, right after the vaccine. So the recommendation is to don't change a darn thing, at least not yet, maybe till late spring or summer. Now you can, with a little more confidence, go to outdoor events or very socially distant distance things. If you're inside, you can be a little more confident, but I wouldn't just throw away all of the uh, the precautions. Wear a mask if you're inside, even if you're vaccinated. Stay distance, even if you're vaccinated. And don't be in large groups, even if you're vaccinated. That will change. It's just going to be a gradual thing. Uh, and so not right off the bat, don't change things immediately.
0: All right. We only have a few minutes with uh, questions for Dr. Hilden. So please keep your questions tight. We're going to try again. Wendy, are you there from Hopkins? I am here. Can you hear me now? Yes, go right ahead.
2: Um, I recently had a knee replacement, and um, they prescribed oxycodone, but they cut the dose down, and it's not even touching the, the pain at all. Um, I'm guessing that because of all the problems they've had with oxy that um, it's an issue, but I don't know what to do about the pain
1: Yeah, what I would suggest, Wendy, is to call your surgeon and tell them exactly that if you haven't yet. Now, doctors are very, um, they're changing their ways a little bit because of the opioid epidemic, and oxycodone is one way to uh, get there. However, it's also a very good pain reliever. And if you have acute pain, Something new like a surgery, it's an appropriate treatment for that pain. You should always use the smallest dose possible and the few for the shortest time possible. If you're still needing oxycodone several days after your surgery, call your surgeon. Um, uh, there might be something else amiss. You shouldn't be needing this for weeks and weeks on end. It is a concern that the more you take, the more likely it could be that uh, your body will get a a little too used to it and you will actually uh, develop an addiction to it. So the shortest length possible, the smallest dose possible.
0: All right, we're going to go to Sandy and Victoria. Good morning, Sandy. Hi, good morning. Thanks for
2: taking my call. Um, Just real quick, as the parent of an opiate addict who is fortunately now um, in recovery, I just want to share the importance of getting involved in a support group for... um, families and loved ones who are battling addiction. Um, I attend a Naranon group um, before COVID. We met weekly at the Ridgedale YMCA, but I would just encourage family members to just um, get involved in a support group. It's made all the difference in the world in the health of our family um, because addiction is a family disease and there's just been just wonderful, wonderful help and support for myself and my family in just getting educated on um, living with a um, family member who's battling addiction, Naranon
1: um, group. Yeah, Sandy, you have said that so well. I couldn't say that any better. I wholeheartedly endorse what you said. It is a family disease and and families all need support. Thank you so much for that advice.
0: Yeah, really beautiful. Well said. All right, real quickly, Doc, let's get through a couple of texts. Uh, This person asking about time in system that that COVID vaccine holds up.
1: Uh, we're not sure because it hasn't been around long enough. It, um, uh, it seems to be uh, in your body providing antibody protection for many, many, many months. We just, don't, we just haven't had this thing for years yet, so we don't know yet. So more to come on that in this fall and next year. We'll see how much protection is still around then. But it's at least enough to get us through this, uh, this year.
0: All right, we're running out of time, doctor, but real quickly, maybe in 15 seconds, if you can just give the quick 4 on one on the latest with the vaccine, we're hearing 65 and older can get it. I mean, just break through the myths and to the reality.
1: Yep, it's, it's changing a lot because of supply. Um, we have enough people to give it. We know how to give it. We know who should get it. We just don't have enough vaccine. We're lacking a plan on that. So as soon as the supply comes, it'll be distributed. Uh, generally, um, in, at least in the state of Minnesota, we're looking at people 65 and older and school teachers and people who work with children. That is not, that could change daily though. So don't take my word on that. Um, just keep, uh, I would continue to go to the Minnesota Department of Health at, uh, um, uh, online for the latest information.
0: All right, and as always, you can keep in touch with Dr. Hilden and me. We are constantly talking about the show together off Line, and you can do that by following us at dr david hilden dr hilden and at rashini r. Tweet us your questions, and then real quickly, doctor, your uh, blog.
1: Yep, you can follow me at dr david hilden or at myhealthymatters dot org. matters dot org.
0: Open lines next week.